Welcome to the Finding the Magic podcast, where books come alive. I'm Tricia Copeland, a fiction author and host of this show. If you love books, finding great reads, and hearing about the story behind the story directly from the authors, this is the place for you. Whether you like fantasy, science fiction, dystopian, or romance titles, I think you'll find something to love in my playlist. Listen in to discover something magical about a book or two today. Hello and welcome, Angela. Hi, it's good to be here. Thank you for being here. Today I have romance author Angela Cairn with me, and you can tell me if I got that pronunciation right. You did perfect. Yay, I am a southerner in the U.S., so I apologize for my pronunciations ahead of time. <laughs> Not a problem. I've been called all sorts of things, and as long as it's polite, I'm quite happy. <laughs> and you are calling in from where? Uh, I'm calling in from the United Kingdom. Uh, I'm about an hour outside London on the East Coast. Oh, fine, on the coast. Is yeah. it... I'm guessing it would be cooler there if you're on the coast. Uh, yeah, we're we're having an exceptional year this year. We've we've had um, we're about a month ahead in terms of our temperatures this year. So we've had an early spring. So very beautiful here at the moment. We have um, uh, daffodils and hyacinth, narcissus, uh, crocus are all out. So we've got beautiful spring colour. We have. Um, the willow trees have all got their catkins. Um, I've got a quince tree in the garden, which is in bloom. So it's a very, it's a pretty time of year. It's, you really feel like spring's taking off. That does sound beautiful. I'm stuck here in Colorado where we won't see spring for six to eight more weeks. So ah. I will live virtually through you. <laughs> have you got snow on the ground at the moment? Actually, we're having a 70, a rare 70 degree day in February. Uh, so the snow is starting to melt. We have got like half snowy and half like brown grass, so. Yeah, so it's kind of slushy. And I think that's the worst time. I, I used to live in um, uh, Switzerland on the French Swiss border. And I always used to think that that, that sort of time when the snow was all melting was and it all went muddy and it was the worst part yes generally may is mud season for us here. okay <laughs> so tell me about your books i'm so excited to learn all about them well uh my i have uh, a contemporary series and it's they're they're women's fiction romance so they're issue led and um i'm a a physiotherapist and a relaxation therapist so my uh, main character in the books is a physiotherapist although she isn't me um, but <laughs> she's much nicer than I am um, but uh, so the story follows her um, from the point at which she she's in she's come home to England from Australia and she has a phone call from her partner her uh, or she has a phone call about her partner soulmate 
to say that he's been killed in an accident. So the story then takes off of what she does next, how she recovers, how she works through a bereavement. Uh, and um, it's, it is a look at bereavement and recovery, but it's also a story full of hope about second chances. Uh, you meet a fantastic cast of um, cameo characters who are her patients in the clinic, um, who all bring uh, to her various uh, bits of wisdom and, and enthusiasm. And um, she also has two fantastic dogs and uh, she's very involved with uh, some dog sports as well. So you get the input of the dogs through the story woven into the story as well. So it's, it's a romance, but it's, it's issue led. The novella, the prequel novella Paradise is about her life with Brett, how she meets him in Australia. Um, and then book two and book three carry her life on and take her through into issues that are associated with her age, really. So um, looking at uh, having children as a working mum, some issues about um, infertility, um, and there are issues about uh, developing, a, developing a, a business, developing a new business. So as the series goes on, uh, she moves with her community through various life events. So that's fundamentally the story. Those sound really poignant and rich stories. I can really hear that although sometimes the topics may be deep and heavy, that you've infused her dogs and her patients and things that help, I'm guessing, help bring her joy yeah. and help yeah. her recover. Exactly. So it's, it's that although there are poignant moments in the story, um, it's really a, a story of hope and everyday courage, really, of, um, and finding herself within a new community and uh, the steps that she she takes to recover and and the the what what she gains from it as well as what she's lost so um it it is a it starts off as a poignant story but but it finishes with with hope and forward movement and um as i say as we move through the books we see her growing with her new friendship group and her new community and um, we see her uh, making all sorts of growth so it follows her through and I intended it to be a trilogy but having got to the end of book three there's more I want to write about this community of people they're an interesting bunch I I love them and uh, there's more I want to write about them and there's more that I want to see them doing and and uh, and so on so but interwoven into it I, I guess are my deeply held beliefs about people's well-being and I really wanted to um, get across in the story the importance not just of health but of well-being for people um, and I think there's a tendency um, in, in healthcare for, for it all to be about health and sometimes well-being, people's well-being gets lost. So there's, there, are, there are my beliefs about the integration of health and well-being in there. And I, 
I teach relaxation as well. So um, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the, the benefits of, of, um, of how relaxation can help people as well. So, so some of my, a little bit of medical memoir in there as well as the, the love story and uh, the, you know, discussing the issues. Well, that really rounds out a book, at least for me, that really rounds out a book. And I, I hope that, and it seems like over the past two to three years with the pandemic, that mental health has been at least showcased and acknowledged and recognized as being more important maybe than we have placed on mental health issues in the past and how important it is for everyone to, you know, know how to keep good mental health and know how to you know talk to other people and know how to communicate our needs and know you know what we can do to stay in good mental health as well so I'm yeah. hoping. I think it's just I think it's really I think it's really important and I I felt with my main character being um uh being a, a young woman uh, with a career that I thought it was so important to get them, get that message across about um, the self-care and, and she's quite a strong character, but in this situation, she's very vulnerable because of what's happened to her. And, I think there's an assumption that if you are generally speaking quite quite a strong person there's an assumption that you'll always be able to cope and of course like everybody it doesn't matter you know if you get too many packs on your back you start to not be able to carry the load and I thought it was I thought it was really important to um to look at the um as you say the the issue of understanding ourselves and and um just being able to accept that we don't all we don't only give help and give support but there are times when we need it and that's actually okay you know we, it it's not about the strong who can and the weak who can't we're all strong and weak at different times and um that's part of life and it's good for us and um I think sometimes it's hard to be gracious when we need support. It's easier to give support sometimes than to receive it. So there's a little bit of that give and take going on, push and pull going on with her because um, she finds herself in a in a, a difficult situation. Yeah. How did you come up with the idea for the plot line for these books? Um, I. Uh, I think um, in part because um, I've been around a while now and I talk to people all the time in, in my work and um, I realised how um, important it is uh, to talk about some of these, um, some of these issues. And um, so I wanted to take some issues that were important to me. And I felt that bereavement was an issue that um, 
people sometimes find difficult to talk about. So I didn't want to write a, a sad book, um, but I wanted to tackle that issue. And I felt that sort of within, within what I know about my profession and what I know about talking to people, because um, we spend a lot of time with people, you know, we're, we're with people for half an hour, three quarters of an hour, maybe two or three times a week. So um, we get to talk to people in quite some depth. So I thought it would be really good idea to seat the story with, within a physio practice so that I could bring all those conversations in. Um, and the, the loss of her soulmate, I, I needed to set up something dramatic that was going to set her off on this new journey. I think a lot of people can relate to losses and starting over. So I think it would be, yeah, something that people could read and hopefully process maybe some of the things they've been through as well. Yeah, I, I think so. And we haven't all necessarily lost someone, but we've all lost something because um, bereavement's not always about a death. It can be about the, the loss of all sorts of different things. And um, we go through that similar process. So I think it's something that is common to, to all of us, um, which is why it's a really important thing to, really important thing to talk about. And you're right. I think it can be hard for a lot of people to share their pain. So experiencing it and going through it with the characters and recovering yeah. and seeing that there's hope yeah. and, and happiness at the end of the tunnel can be yeah. important. Yeah, definitely. I was I was really touched actually. Somebody who read it got in, in contact with me who um, she had uh, lost her husband as a young woman with a, um, with a, a family and um, she contacted me to say that she'd cried for the first time in 40 years about what she had lost personally and what those losses had meant to her. And for me, that was, that was something fantastic because I thought, yes, uh, you know, even if nobody else read the book, it was worth writing it for her to read it. And I think that's really important. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's one of my biggest fears. And you would, you would never see me again, I would just go under my covers and never come out again. So, um, you know, if, 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 if I go black, you know what happened. <laughs> That's not funny. But yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it is hard. And it was probably very touching for you to get that message I've, from that reader i've had some amazing messages from readers about it so um so i feel that um and it encouraged me to keep writing um uh, to keep writing this story and to keep writing the story of these characters because i felt like they were um they were touching or they were reaching the audience that i had hoped to to reach. So um, yeah, it was really, I, I was really pleased. That feels really good as an author, I know. Oh uh, yeah.
And yes, I can definitely relate to not wanting to give up your characters and there's always more to write about them. Mm, you, well, it's, you, you, grow to, you grow to love them and I think, it's, I think it's absolutely fascinating that as you're writing, to char you're writing characters, um, they take on a bit of a life of their own as well because as you're writing, um, things change and and I, characters almost speak to you or inhabit your head and um, you know there are a couple of instances where I sort of had a no <laughs> that's not where this that's not where I want to go um, and I think that's really in, it's really interesting it's like getting to know someone very well you you start off with a a thought of who they are or what they are and then as they grow and develop you you discover nuances about your characters that um in the same way that you do about people and um i think that's i think that's really interesting and of course as as authors we get to put our characters in different situations and see how they're going to react and um i think uh, it's really interesting to get to know characters well and I, I think as a reader as well I really enjoy um, a, a series where I see my characters moving forward and I see what happens to them and I find out about their lives I, I enjoy that as a reader as well. Yes I do too as well I definitely get hooked on the characters I read about. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I mean, so, sometimes it's quite. Um, when I come to the when I come to the end of reading a series, sometimes I, I feel a bit bereft because actually I've been I've enjoyed walking with those characters and getting to know them, and uh, so yeah, it's. Uh, um, I guess that's that's what uh, avid readers and and writers get involved with, isn't it? Definitely. Me and my husband watched this show and I talked to him about it the next day. I'll say, oh, I think this is going to happen. I think this is going to happen. He's like, you pay way more attention to this than you need to. <laughs> and I'll be like, oh, I predicted that. I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> He's like, you spend way too much brain power on this. I'm like, yeah, but it's no, no. fun, right? So. I think the devil's in the detail and, and uh, that's... <laughs> That's the that's the thing about um, it's. I think that's the wonderful thing about writing is that you can include so many details, and you're you're uh, trying to um, allow your reader to sort of to taste and smell and feel what's happening and inhabit um, a different world. And I think it, it it's if there's a lot of lot of detail there then it really allows you to inhabit the the, the world if the, if the world's very sketchy I think you you don't get that same intensity of, of experience I think that's exactly right so you're writing the series the first or the prequel is called paradise and the first in the series is called in touch and then you have the second and third planned out what else is next for you? Right, well, um, books two and three are written and um, they're uh, just awaiting publication. So um, they're, 
they're they're done. Um, uh, book three has just been edited, so I'm I'm getting ready to bring those out. And then I'm thoroughly enjoying trying something different. I'm writing an historical fiction, and um, it's set around 1910 in the UK, um, which was um, you talking about cold weather outside. It was a fabulously hot summer in the UK, um, exceptionally hot summer, 1910. Um, there was coronation of King George. Um, so the Edwardian era had just come to an end. Edward VII had just died. Um, but it was a time of um, real unrest. Um, women uh, suffragists and suffragettes were pushing hard to um, get the vote. Um, there was also a lot of um, unrest in the labor movement. There was some, uh, there were strikes going on uh, for better conditions for, for working men. There was an issue about Irish home rule as well. And uh, so it was a, a bit of um, a bubbling cauldron sort of summer. And uh, my book is set with um, two characters, a young girl who is an apprentice seamstress, but who uh, dreams of designing theatrical costumes, and her next door neighbour, who is a musician. Uh, he works in a music shop, but he also has aspirations to write songs and be in the musical. And um, I drew the inspiration from the story from my grandmother who was born in 1896. She was an apprentice seamstress. I knew her well and spoke to her a lot. So I have personal archive memories of talking to her about her, her life. Um, I also have you know, some great photos and so on. So again, it, it isn't her life, but I guess she was the in inspiration for the story. Um, and I needed a character who was going to be the catalyst for these two youngsters. And um, in fact, I found a wonderful character called Kitty Marion, who was a suffragette. She was a militant suffragette. Um, she was imprisoned a number of times, force fed. Um, she, she was quite an amazing character, but she was a musical singer. So by introducing her to my two characters, she becomes the catalyst for what happens in their story. Now, they have a difficulty in that um, there's a religious issue for them in that one is Catholic and the other is Protestant. And so they have, there's a lot of opposition to them falling in love and getting married. So this is the, this is the um, set up to, to the story. And um, Kitty Marion um, actually came out to America ultimately because during the First World War, she, she actually was of German descent. So during the First World War. So not only was she in trouble with the police and um, you know, the government had their eye on her because she was such a militant suffragette, but also, you know, she was a foreign national. So she was smuggled out of England and over to America and she, she carried on all her life um, 
she campaigned for um for women's rights in in america um she um she set up a, a union for uh women on the stage so that they didn't get uh, uh you know casting <laughs> the casting couch problems and um unfair wages and a general abuse that they suffered so she set that up she was she was quite a powerful character so she's been a, a wonderful character to be the pivot for the whole story so i've really enjoyed writing this uh, it's been such fun to do all the research all the historical research and getting the details right about fashion and and it's just it's amazing what you have to research because the the other day I wanted my characters to go from Portsmouth to London on the train and and back in a day and as I was writing it I suddenly thought oh hold up 1910 could they do that so I then found myself going down a rabbit hole um into um railway history to actually find out the history of the Portsmouth to London railway the line and to actually find out well were they going to be able to do that so so it's amazing what rabbit holes I've been down to research bits and pieces of this story well it sounds amazingly rich and yes I can tell you've done a lot of research what an a fun like amazing topic to bring to the, a book I mean it sounds yeah inspiring and yeah and exploring so many different issues as well yeah it was a it was an, a fantastic time you know time of um huge political change and and actually interestingly the home secretary at the time was a very young winston churchill so you know we sort of think of him as being involved around the Second World War, but actually, you know, he he was a young Home Secretary at the time that all this was was happening. So um, it's been interesting to find out about some of his young life, which I I wasn't familiar with before. So yeah, that's reminding me of book. Have you ever read Sue Monkhead's The Invention of Wings? I haven't. No. So that book is set in the United States right before women's suffrage and or right during that time when um, people in the US were or women in the US were lobbying for being able to mm -hmm. vote. And the woman, she grew up in the South, so there were issues of slavery, but she also wanted to do something different and not she didn't support slavery so she wanted to get out from under her family's i guess reign the reign of her family because her family was a wealthy yeah. southern family and that it would have been a horrible scandal for her to leave them and to speak out against slavery so yeah you should read that book because it seems like a yeah, lot yeah it sounds parallel. great ah. oh no that sounds great and it's um it's reading around that time that gives you the sort of gives you the tone of the time because um, it's really important that the tone's right um, so reading uh, accounts uh, people's accounts and uh, I've uh, I've recently been um, reading some quite a bit of non-fiction stuff um, 
about that time, um, I've got a fantastic diary of um, a country vicar who's writing about his parishioners and the, the issues that they face, and it's it's his diary. Um, and I've I've also uh, there's a book called um, A Perfect Summer, um, and that's it's non-fiction. It's it's beautifully written, and it's um, it almost reads like a novel, but it isn't. But it looks at that um, time through the eyes of different people, a socialite, a trade unionist, the, the queen at the time, the queen consort and so on. And it's really interesting to just get a feel for how people were behaving, what was important to them, how, um, social mannerisms, dress and so on. So, yeah, to, uh, it would be really interesting to, to read some you know something something else and and also uh, because of what kitty marion goes on to do it'd be really interesting to read a little bit about the women's suffrage in america as well yeah i'm just so impressed with how detailed the story sounds so it, i'm going to put it on my list of what i'm reading next <laughs> <laughs> thank you uh, yeah i i'm just i'm literally um um I'm writing the last chapters and I've been, I've started doing a little bit of uh, editing on it. So hopefully um, it'll be ready for, for later in the year. Um, but I'm definitely going to write some more, some more historical fiction because I've really enjoyed doing all the, doing all the research. Um, and, uh, and it, it was lovely as well to, feel like I was walking alongside my grandmother as I as I wrote because I she talked about her youth a lot but reading a lot more about it gave me yeah a much um I suppose deeper sense of of who she was and where where she came from and what she experienced I can imagine that would be very enriching my great-grandfather I knew my great-grandfather and he was born in 1897 Oh. And, and so he was in the First World War, the Second World War, and he would talk about a lot about, he didn't talk about his childhood as much, but a lot about his time in the war and, and yeah. that era. But yeah, it was really neat to live history through his eyes as well. Yeah, yeah, I, th I think so. I think it's, um, yeah, because at, at the end of the day, it's it's people that bring history alive isn't it it's it, it's hearing it through the voices of of the people who lived it that that brings it alive so um so again that's what I'm hoping to do with this book is to bring this fantastic time alive I mean it was really interesting because the the government at the time were a liberal government so you might imagine that they would have been really supportive of women's suffrage but in actual fact, they weren't because the laws at the time meant that you had to own property in order to vote. So what they thought was that the women who would get the vote would be women who owned property and therefore likely to vote for the Conservatives, who were their opposition. So they turned down, the, 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 the women got lots and lots of, they lobbied and got enough signatures to get bills put through Parliament but it always got pushed to the side. And part of why they got pushed to the side, there were other things going on, but part of why it all got pushed to the side was because they were worried about 
they were worried about not franchising people who were going to vote for the other party. And it's just, you can't, I don't know, I, I just found it incredible that um, something as important as that hinges on those small details and how frustrating must it have been for the for the women at the at the time um so it was it was really interesting and and again the labor party weren't terribly supportive of them because they thought they were a distraction for them getting um working rights for, for men um so there, were, there was all sorts happening. Um, it wasn't just a simple, wasn't just a simple process. There were there were lots of other things that were uh, coming into play. So, um, again, yeah, really, really interesting to read all that, and incredibly courageous those those women. And um, you know, it just. Uh, huh. I have no patience with people who don't use their vote because when you look at how hard fought it was, um, the democratic process was so hard fought. It's got to, you know, um, we've we've got to cherish it and and use it wisely. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you have been super busy to have three books coming out like in such close succession. Uh, yeah, I, I have been busy writing, although I have I I have delayed the um, books two and three because I decided I I wanted to put a, a, a I wanted to actually write the series. I um, I was very keen to publish book one because I was very excited that I'd finished my first novel, and then actually. Um, you know again getting feedback from readers and talking to people I realized that actually when they'd loved book one they really wanted book two and three to be there um to read on so I decided to to pull pull back from actually publishing and um to actually wait until I had some content to put out so that um again people weren't feeling frustrated by wanting to know what what came what came next so um so that was part of my reasoning so i i didn't write them simultaneously i did write them in series but i just held back on on publishing them yeah well yes yeah, so i think as readers we love to be able to have that next book available when we're done yeah that's right and i just i just wanted enough of the series written um to feel well people hopefully will be you know satisfied will have enough to, to, to go on um, without feeling uh, frustrated and um, and I will write more about the uh, you know in, in the contemporary uh, series because as I was saying earlier I, I love it but um, but it's um, it's been uh, yeah it's been interesting and it's been stimulating to write something different as well it's I think it's good for us as writers to to try different things I've um, I have a book of short stories out um, at the moment uh, that, that's out as well um, and I really enjoyed uh, writing those and I think that um, sometimes to come out of the long form and uh, write something different I'm I'm involved in a project at the moment for a, a radio station and um, 
they're a group of writers and we write 100 word stories um, and they're produced by um, they're read by um, actors and produced with music and so on and, and they form the the basis of a radio show once a week um, and I sort of feel like it's almost like a it's almost like a little snack you know I come out of my long form and I write a couple of really short stories and it refreshes you and you go again and I think it helps me with my editing as well because you really have to pare it back and have the absolute nuts and bolts to get a story it down in a hundred words exactly so that's fun it's and I think all those things are good for us as writers to to write a variety of things yes that hundred words sounds like a huge challenge and yes every you have to make every word count you do yeah in fact, and and to get to get the arc of the story in the, those short num number of words, it's been it's been really it's been really fun, and it's been great to hear them um, interpreted by um, actors as well. And it's been quite interesting sometimes um, how they've been interpreted, and that's been an interesting process for me as a as a writer as well, because you you know. They're your baby, aren't they? Your books and your your stories and so on. And and um, I think it it actually takes quite a quite a bit of courage to release them to the world and let them have a life of their own, because because they have a life of their own in the readers' heads as well. Right. Yeah. Every reader is going to interpret something different and experience it differently and interact with it differently. Yeah. Definitely. Do you do are your um, your books on audiobooks, aren't they? My fantasy books are, yes. Yeah, they are. And I, that's something I'm thinking about um, for these books as well. I think they, they, um, they do, I think they, they'd sound well as audio books. So that's something I'm going to look at. And that's, I've been encouraged by the 100 word stories because it has been fantastic to hear uh, a trained, actor interpret your work it's interesting yeah yeah it's, and you know you will know when you hear the voice of your character because the woman who did my fantasy book and I didn't even produce it like another uh, the audio flow produced my my most recent fake fantasy and so they hired they hired the narrators but it's and, and they said, well, we think we have the na perfect narrator. Do you want to listen to, I mean, they just said, we'll let you listen to her. And she was like dead on perfect, the same voice that was in my head when I was writing. And yes, to hear her read the book, I could listen to it all the time. I listened to it in my car because now I tell myself I'm doing research for the next book, <laughs> but really I just love my own story. And I'm, I'm one of those people that will go back and reread books. Um, but I love so yeah yeah that's kind of one of my guilty admissions to you is that I listen to my own book while I'm writing in the car <laughs> well look w why would you write a story that you don't love so well, well true yes definitely <laughs> yeah definitely and I have to say that um both my boys are dyslexic and um they they do both read um, and, and enjoy books, but um, it's much more relaxing for them to listen to, to books. And um, 
certainly when they were younger, Stephen Fry's narration of the Harry Potter books is something that lived with me because I don't know how many times we listened to those in the car when they were they were younger, and they they were uh, they were fantastic. And I think that having the books on audio has been or having books generally on audio has been amazing for both of them um, because it just makes enjoying, uh, uh, it makes enjoying books easier for them. They, the, as I say, they're both more than capable of reading the books, but it's harder for them with their dyslexia. So the, the, the audio books are great. And you know, I guess as well for all, you know, all sorts of reasons, as you say, to be able to listen to something in the car is really a joy, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And I discovered that if you download the Alexa app, Alexa will read your Kindle books to you as well. And so that's always an option. Yeah. And she's pretty good at it. So. Oh, right. So, so it's actually Alexa who reads them. Yes. Alexa will read your Kindle books you and she even has different voices for the different characters I don't know how what the technology is that she wow. can just do that so quickly and recognize all those things but, I mean it's not as good as you know a professional no. narration but and you can't speed it up which is I really like to speed up my audiobooks but um <laughs> but she's actually pretty good yeah so I've like when I really wanted to finish a book and it I didn't have the audiobook or was wasn't an audiobook um if I want to listen to it in the car or running or whatever, yeah, mm. I just have Alexa read it to me. So. Brilliant. I'm going to give that a go because I haven't tried that either. Yeah. Wow. Tip of the day. <laughs> <laughs> it has been so fun to learn all about your books. I, I'm going to download them and start reading them. Tell our audience where we can find you and your books. Okay, so um, you can... Uh, find my books on Amazon and uh, they're in um, ebook format, paperback format and large print and they're also available in um, Kindle Unlimited for people who have a subscription with um, Kindle Unlimited. So you can find you can find me on Amazon. Um, I'm on um, Instagram and uh, Facebook as Angela Cairns author. And um, there are links on, on both my social media pages directly to the books. And then I have a website, um, which is www.angelacairnsauthor.co.uk. So it's a UK website. Um, and there are links through there. And on my website as well, there are bits to read. There are free short stories and um, so on that are there that change from time to time. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's basically where you that's basically where you find me. Super fun! Thank you so much for being here. I will definitely have all your links in the description of the podcast so people can find those there too. Any final tidbits that maybe we don't know about you or your stories? Um, what don't you know about me? Well, there's, there's lots that you don't know about me. One thing you definitely don't know about me is that I love dancing. And when I'm writing, because uh, we're seated a lot of the time, I love to get up and dance. So a favorite track I think is um, Santana's Samba Pati. 
and I put it on and I leap around the kitchen and I samba or I belly dance and um, then I feel all refreshed and ready to go back to the keyboard again. <laughs> Super amazing. I got something cool out of you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I will not be dancing. I'll just tell you that. But I would love to see a video of you dancing. Ah, the, there is there is a video of me on Facebook Ooh. dancing somewhere. Lord knows why I decided I was going to post that, but I did. <laughs> but maybe I'll do another one. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> Thank Look you, thank you for again it. for being here and telling us all about your book. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Tricia. Take care, Angela. Okay, bye now. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Finding the Magic podcast. I'm your host, author and podcaster, Tricia Copeland, and I love getting behind the scenes. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe and stop in each week, discover new authors and books. Thanks for listening, and until next time, keep finding the magic. <laughs>